1: Now, who doesn't enjoy a walk in the park or forest, breathing clean air or watching wildlife? Yet humanity has done a pretty good job in destroying nature, such as deforestation, pollution, overextraction of resources. Part of the problem is that we've taken nature for granted and treated its bounty as free. And for many of us, the problem can seem far away from big cities. Well, on today's episode of Green Pulse, I have some nature-positive news. There's now a way to help companies make better choices to protect nature and better understand their impacts on the natural world. A global framework or guide to help firms measure and report their nature-related risks and impacts, has been developed and it is being released this week. Called the Task Force for Nature-Related Financial Disclosures, or TNFD, it could soon be adopted by regulators to drive better protection of nature. To tell us more about this is Mr. Tony Goldner, Executive Director of the TNFD. Tony, why is nature so important to society and how do we all benefit
0: from it? Well, without nature, there would be no society. It's really as simple as that. We, as a society, as economies, as individual businesses and financial institutions, we rely on the flow of benefits that nature provides into our communities, into our business processes. Those, that flow of benefits is, is called ecosystem services. And nature provides those, these services to us, whether it's a provision of uh, fresh water from rivers and streams and aquifers, whether it's biomass in the form of wood from, from the trees that we use for a building and for furniture, whether it's pollination services that are provided by bees and insects that pollinate the trees that provide the food that we eat. Simply put, if there was no nature, there would be no humanity, there'd be no life on earth, there'd be no pensions to save for. So we are 100% dependent on nature. It's really just a matter of, of varying degrees. Some some sectors obviously have a higher dependence on on nature and nature-related risks than others, but at the end of the day, our entire prosperity uh, is dependent on on nature and, the, and its ability to provide that flow of services to us and resilient ecosystems have the ability to continue to provide those services to us as we degrade the resilience of nature. We are essentially undermining its ability to provide us with that future flow of benefits. And so that's really the, import- the reason why and the importance of tackling nature loss. If we don't tackle nature loss, our whole existence is becoming more fragile, including the basis on which businesses continue to generate cash flows which is obviously really important to, to investors. But it goes much beyond that from a social perspective, but from a narrow perspective in terms of business and finance, that's the reason why we need to be paying more attention to this and doing it now.
1: Now, it's clear our societies and businesses are closely linked with nature, as you just spelled out there, but, and indeed can't really function without it. Yet, this is not always understood, right? It's, it's an incredible paradox. So, so why is that?
0: Well, I think we've all been conditioned over several hundred years of economic development to just see nature as a endless and free provider of, of these benefits that we rely on, this flow of ecosystem services that I just mentioned. We just take it for granted. We, we, we think the planet it has the capacity to continue to provide these things no matter what we do in response what's increasingly clear now from the science is that our impacts on nature are damaging nature's ability to continue to provide that flow of benefits and services to us. And so we have to fundamentally reevaluate our mindset in terms of how humanity, how our businesses, how our societies are impacting on, on nature's ability to continue to function and to provide the flow of benefits that we, we need to continue to exist. So I I think at the core of it is really a shift in mindset. We have to go from not thinking about nature as an endless free provider of these services to the fact that it does have limits. It has what are now called planetary boundaries. And we breach those boundaries at our peril because um, the resilience of nature declines and its ability to provide those services declines. So. If we come to terms with that fundamental realisation, then I think we're in a good position to start taking more concerted action to tackle nature loss and in so doing, we will underpin the resilience of our future prosperity on which we depend entirely on nature.
1: Yes, yeah, so give us a sense of the urgency to tackle this crisis, right? I mean, you know, were, we've all seen reports about uh, loss of insects, um, huge loss of animals since since 1970, something like 60-70%, I think, out in the wild, tremendous loss of tropical rainforests. Um, you know, the list, the list goes on, right? Um, and plus, we have the closely related crisis of climate change, which is all you know, very interconnected with uh, the biodiversity crisis. So, just very briefly, just give us an extra sense of, of the urgency of, of, of the loss of nature, and, and, and uh, you know, are we running out of time?
0: Well, I think as you point out, David, we can't separate the climate change uh, issue and the climate crisis from the crisis of nature loss. They are inextricably linked. In fact, in the in the science, uh, climate change is identified as only one of the five major drivers of nature change, and so we've been sort of periscoped into solving one of the five changes, one of these five drivers of change in the last 10 or so 20 years, it's now time that we start to focus on the other four. And, you know, a lot of people now are very familiar with the IPCC, which is the sort of peak science body that provides us with these global assessments of the state of the climate. Well, there's another body called IPBES, uh, which is the sort of sister agency of the IPCC, and it provides us with the science on the, on the state of the rest of nature. And we have other, other sort of annual status reports from organizations like WWF and others. Now, if you read those reports, it's very clear that nature loss is accelerating, and we are starting to experience the consequences of that with greater significance and greater frequency. We just have to look at what's happening in Hawaii, what's, look, what's happening with uh, Southern Europe and the heat stress in Southern Europe. We're seeing flooding in many parts of the world. We're seeing the impact of temperature rises in the oceans and the impact that's having on fish stocks. So I think the real challenge for all of us in terms of coming to terms with this is the media is giving us sort of one story after another. You just mentioned some in your comments a minute ago. And when we hear them one after the other, they're kind of shocking in isolation. But what we're all missing is the compounding effects of what happens when you add these things together. And that's why I think it's helpful to read these integrated assessments, such as from the WWF or from the scientists directly, because it's when we aggregate it all up that you then appreciate the urgency and the magnitude of the challenge ahead. And what's clear from the science is what they call tipping points, that when you start to add up these cumulative effects, entire ecosystems can reach a point at which they can, they, they, their decline will be irreversible. It won't matter if we suddenly rush in and preserve that land or avoid fishing in a particular ocean area. It will be in terminal decline. And so we have to, have to watch out for these tipping point moments. And the issue that we have right now is the scientists aren't even clear that they can identify the tipping points ahead of time. So there is a real urgency to act. I think, in general, we have to apply a sort of precautionary principle, because of the the scientists are doing the absolute best that they can to give us as much warning as possible. But the science of nature is complex, and so we should be we should be acting with caution and not waiting till the very last minute before we decide to take decisive action.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned five sort of pressure points, I guess, on nature. Climate change is one. Pollution will be another. You know, over. Fishing or over-exploitation of, of resources would be another, I think.
0: Yeah, resource use. Yeah.
1: Yep. And, and, and what are the others? Just just, just for listeners. So.
0: Yeah, so the five are climate change, resource use, land and sea and freshwater use change, so changing landscapes from one, one state to another, pollution. And then the fifth one is uh, invasive species uh, and the impact that they can have. So uh, they're, the, they're known as the five drivers of, of change or five drivers of nature loss. And uh, climate change is, is only one of the five. So it's time to really focus our attention on the other four.
1: Right. And that sort of leads neatly into you know, the main thrust of our discussion today. And that is the Task Force for Nature-Related Financial Disclosures, or TNFD, which is a framework that has taken about two years to develop. How did it come about? And tell us what are nature-related risks for businesses, just, just, just very briefly.
0: Yeah, so TNFD came about, I think, really inspired by the experience of our bigger sister initiative called TCFD, the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, which was started in 2015, 2016. And what TCFD did is it it brought climate onto the risk registry and onto the um, accounting books of business and finance, if you like. Uh, So bringing climate-related information alongside mainstream financial reporting. And what TNFD is seeking to do is to do the same thing for the rest of nature. So TCFD and the climate reporting really only focuses on half a dozen or so emissions up into the atmosphere. And of course, there's an awful lot of other components relevant to nature and to our dependence on nature that that, that we need to start accounting for. And so TNFD... It's really been brought about to figure out a framework and a reporting architecture for looking at those other aspects of nature other than those gases up into the atmosphere, the emissions reporting that we're now seeing a lot of. And so we're looking at land, ocean and freshwater realms of, of nature uh, and other aspects of atmospheric impacts like air pollution, which is um, big issue in places like Singapore, obviously. And so... Uh, it's really designed to complement the focus on on emissions and emissions reporting that TCFD and the Paris Agreement have been so focused on. So the task force was brought about with that mission. Um, it, it came to life with the support of a, um, a number of key champions and early supporters. Um, in fact, the Monetary Authority of Singapore was 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 one of those early um, supporters in many respects. And, um, and a group of funders came together, uh, a number of governments and philanthropic funders. And so TNFD started its work in late 2021. And uh, we've, been, we've been working to design and develop uh, the recommendations, which we'll be publishing um, in a couple of weeks' time. So, as you said, it's been the culmination of a two-year journey. Um, but it really started out of a recognition that while well, climate reporting is a great start, there's a lot more that needs to be done. And TNFD has sought to address those other aspects of nature across the other realms of nature, as I mentioned.
1: Yeah, so you touch on a key point here, and that is uh, companies have quickly become, not universally, but increasingly across different jurisdictions, much better now at measuring and reporting their climate related risks. But I imagine for nature, companies, it's a very steep learning curve for them. This is something new to them. So I think if it's correct from what I've seen, very few companies at the moment um, have started assessing their impacts on nature or exposure to nature related risks or indeed have really looked at the financial opportunities of helping nature, such as serving rainforests or planting mangroves, for example. Um, So is is that correct? It's it's still, it's a very early journey for most companies.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Um, The Global Reporting Initiative, GRI, has thousands of companies around the world using its impact standards. So there are some companies that have been using the GRI reporting standards to report on their impact on nature and biodiversity for some time. But we now need to get to a whole new scale of application and and corporate disclosure. Um, And I think there's a few things that are driving that. Number one is that investors are starting to ask more questions of the companies they invest in about how those companies are managing their nature-related issues. And that's because we're seeing the impact of things like flooding and bushfire and and, um, invasive species impacting the cash flows of companies and investors are starting to appreciate that in addition to their focus on climate-related issues, there's this whole other swathe of issues that they need to be across and asking more questions about. So number one, investors are asking more questions and companies are having to have the answers and have the capabilities to provide answers to investors seeking more information. Number two, governments are also mobilising. At a policy level, we've seen uh, 190-plus governments around the world agreed last December in Montreal to the Global Biodiversity Framework. And one of the key targets in that framework is to move towards, uh, by 2030, large companies and financial institutions reporting on their dependencies their risks and their impacts associated with nature so the global biodiversity framework is sort of the paris agreement for nature or what the paris agreement uh, is on climate the gbf is on nature and it it specifically calls for corporate reporting on, on nature related issues and then the third thing is at a regulatory level Central banks are now starting to appreciate that alongside climate risk, nature risk is a source of risk to economies and financial systems. And the world's central banks come together in something called the Network for Greening the Financial System, the NGFS, and that community of over 120 odd central banks published a very interesting discussion paper in March last year, in which for the first time they really articulated why nature is a source of systemic risk. Uh, as it's called, to financial systems and economies. And I think that has triggered a lot of uh, inquiry and a lot of additional research. So we've got multiple sort of points now putting pressure on the need to get moving. Investors are asking more questions. Governments have committed at a global policy level to corporate reporting on nature and nature-related issues. And central banks are now very much focused on the systemic risk aspect. And, of course, when central banks focus on these issues, that tends to lead to things like stress testing of financial institutions and other things. And so as banks start to see that interest come into focus, that then prompts them to start getting ready for their own due diligence activities with companies that they lend to or indeed companies that they might be investing in. So we're seeing a lot of momentum now around this topic and the TNFD, I think, is very timely because we're going to provide a very structured set of recommendations and assessment tools to help companies start responding to these uh, demands for more information find us on apple spotify google podcasts or via the google voice assistant and amazon alexa enabled devices and now back to our podcast episode
1: yes so um I wanted to get more into the, into the nuts and bolts of the TNFD you know, in terms of what it looks like and how it works. But before we do that, one of the key questions also, and you touched on this, of course, is the complexity of nature, that it's, it's a bit harder to measure, I think, than climate impacts, which have very clearly defined sort of metrics. You know, Nature, as you mentioned, is spread across land, oceans, fresh water, and the atmosphere. And there are more than 30 distinct biomes or ecosystems. And that's quite a lot really to figure out uh, if you're a company as to which ones you're affecting. So very briefly, just tell us a little bit more about that.
0: Yeah, so you're right. There is a lot of variation in nature and ecosystems around the world. And so the key thing that's different about climate reporting and nature reporting is on the climate issue, we have a small number of gases. The unit of measurement has been known for quite a long time, CO2 emissions or their equivalent. And and we all share one atmosphere. So a tonne of CO2 that's released in Singapore, uh, maybe by a factory in Singapore, is broadly the same as a tonne of CO2 from a factory in Africa or Finland or anywhere else. Um, And because we share one atmosphere, we can come up with a concept like a carbon budget that we all share and divide up who needs to do what globally. And that's basically how the climate action agenda is structured. With nature, nature impacts and dependencies are highly localized and so it's really important to start with that premise and then you have to understand well what is the state of nature and what type of ecosystem am I in or am I interfacing with in a particular location. So the TNFD is providing a set of tools and an assessment approach to help companies and financial institutions do that. The good thing is once you know where you need to look, it's fairly easy to figure out what type of ecosystem exists in that location. And that's then the basis of uh, setting up a whole range of sort of assessment questions to figure out, well, what are my impacts and dependencies in that location? How do I put them into the right context? It's obviously different if it's a tropical rainforest or if it's a desert. And then what are the risks and opportunities that might flow from that in terms of the impacts on my, on my organisation? So what we're doing at the task force is providing a conceptual framework that business and finance can use to understand how to, how to think about nature. For many, as you said before, David, this is the first time they'll be thinking about these issues. And then we provide a set of assessment guidance and tools to help step them through that so that they can try and get to, get to a, a robust assessment of what it means for their organisation.
1: Yeah, so one of the tools that you know, your team, the TNFT, have created is called, it's a how-to guide, I guess, it's called uh, LEAP, that is for Locate, Evaluate, Assess and Prepare. So what does that exactly entail?
0: Yeah, so a- as I was just describing, it's a, it's an assessment process that companies can follow as they work their way through to figuring out what are my material impacts and dependencies and what are my material risks and opportunities to the organization? Because that's what people, that's what companies will be expected to report to their outside investors and, and other stakeholders. Um, that's what corporate reporting is all about, figuring out what's material or might be material to the business and providing timely information on your material issues to to outside stakeholders, particularly to, to investors and providers of financial capital. So Leap is designed to take people through a a stage-by-stage process. And as I said before, it's all about understanding that nature impacts and dependencies are highly location-specific. And so it starts with L for locate. And the very first step is for a business to look at where its direct operations or its supply chains and value chains impact or interface with nature and understanding the type of nature that exists in each of those locations. And that's the beginning of the the assessment process. So we're we're building LEAP, as you said, as a how-to tool. It it takes people through an approach, a process. And um, it's been pilot tested by about 200 organisations in the last uh, last two years. And so um, we're, we're quite confident that it's helpful. We've had very good feedback from pilot testers that found it extremely useful. Um, we've learned a lot from the pilot testing to help make it more practical, and that's part of what we'll be releasing in the next few weeks in its final version.
1: Yes, in fact, I was going to ask you what um, what the response has been. You've had several drafts of the framework as it's developed and uh, out for public comment. So, what uh, what responses have you seen from businesses, governments, NGOs, and others? And I think you know Singapore has helped played a, a role in crafting the framework, uh, MAS, but also the SGX as well, I
0: believe. That's right, yep. So we have Singapore Stock Exchange uh, on the task force and making a huge contribution. MAS have taken a lot of interest in this work over many years since the TNFD concept was first formed. And we've also had a lot of interest from across ASEAN and and Asia more generally. So with the pilot testing, we've had pilot testers across geographies and across different types of ecosystems around the world. And I think um, what's become really clear is that while this felt daunting for many, because it was the first time they were looking at these issues, as people have worked their way through the LEAP approach, I think it's been a real confidence builder, and it's given them a sense of learning new tools and the data sets that are out there. There's, There's often a perception that there's no data related to nature, and so you can't really do this analysis, but... We know that's not true. There's actually a huge amount of data on nature. The issue is it's, it can be inconsistent. And of course, for people in business and finance, they haven't typically accessed this data before. So there's an issue of just knowing where it is and, and making sure that it's accessible. So for those who have pilot tested, I think it's been a real learning experience about um, how to do this, where to find the data. And um, what we've heard back from pilot testers has been incredibly revealing about uh, things that, frankly, their corporate risk team hasn't thought about before. Or, or investment managers managing a portfolio, an investment portfolio, they've never really thought about how exposed their investment portfolio might be to nature-related issues, including, for example, say, pollination as a, as a source of risk if you're invested in agriculture. So I think it's really, for many, it's turned, turned on the lights in terms of demystifying the complexity of nature, making this feel accessible, and helping to shed light on new sources of risk that, frankly, have been going unattended to for many, many years. And people are now realising that there's risk in their portfolio or on their balance sheet that needs to be um, needs to be thought about and addressed, just like any other source of risk.
1: So, just as a final question, there have been many efforts in the past to tackle nature loss. Is the TNFD the magic formula we've all been looking for, or calling for? I should say.
0: Well, I think we, uh, you know, we're, we're, one, we're one tool in the toolbox, if I can put it that way, David. I think there's lots of things that are required. TNFD has been built as a risk management and corporate reporting framework. Um, we, don't, we don't pretend to be the answer to all of, all of these challenges or problems, and there are many other things that are required. Um, it's important to note we're also not writing a reporting standard where, like TCFD, we're providing a set of recommendations which will then inform the standards that are either prepared by voluntary standard setters like the International Sustainability Standards Board, or that are written into regulation by governments. And we've seen the same thing happen with TCFD, where it's influenced both voluntary standards and uh, and regulation, uh, regulatory action taken by governments. So I think the important thing is we're, we're doing our part to contribute to the overall objective of shifting the flow of financial capital to more nature-positive outcomes. I think the global biodiversity framework as a set of policy signals from government was a huge step forward in December last year. TNFD is coming out this year. Um, We have other initiatives like the Science-Based Targets Network developing target-setting methodologies around uh, nature-related targets, much as we now have companies setting targets for net zero and, and climate action. So there's a lot of initiatives, we're all trying to work together, make sure these things are joined up and synchronised, we're using the same language, similar approaches, building on each other's advice where we can, because it's going to take a lot of different tools in the toolbox to, uh, to get to the outcomes that I think we're all hoping for, which is tackling nature loss and getting to a better relationship with, with the ecosystems and, and the planetary boundaries within which we have to live.
1: So, Tony, thanks very much for joining us today. That was an excellent rundown.
0: Thanks, David. Great to be with you and appreciate the interest. I think we're looking forward to the release of our recommendations in on the 18th of September and continued strong uh, support and interest from, from Singapore and, and across Asia. So, thanks very much. That was a podcast by The Straits Times.